And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. You know, I talk to people all the time that are looking for startup financing and funding. It's probably the most popular topic here on Startup Hustle, uh, outside of Startup Hustle. Everyone's trying to get funded and looking for clever solutions. We're going to get into that today. I really think you'll find a lot of value in some very interesting and clever solutions for startup financing. Before I introduce who I'm having a conversation with today, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. That's my company. If you're interested in chatting, I love hearing from Startup Hustle listeners and I really find even more fun and enjoyment with helping you find solutions. So reach out. Let's chat. With me today, I've got Mickey Parker. Mickey is the COO of Fund, and they are in the startup financing business. I'm not going to try to get you to spell Fund in your browser, <laughs> so there's some show notes down there. You'll find a link to Mickey's company as well as Fullscale.io. That's all it takes. Just scroll down a little bit, click that link, get a little bit of context about what we're talking about. Uh, I guess I should go ahead without further ado. And Mickey, welcome to Startup Hustle. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. Um, glad to be here. Yeah, well, I, I believe you're a long time. What is this the long time listener, first time caller? That's exactly right. Yeah. So, well, I'm, I appreciate the support. Um, Mickey was kind enough to remind me of of him being in person at episode 100, which was one of the very few live audience shows we've done. And I was like, wow, that was four years ago. So, but I think both of us are better with time. We haven't aged. We've just gained experience, right? Lots of experience, right? Yeah. And it's been a positive experience. I agree. I agree. So, you know, uh, well, you know, Nikki, let's dive right into this conversation, but let's start that with a little bit about your backstory and what brought you to doing what you do now. Well, it's, it's interesting. My background is, is accounting and finance. I'm a CPA, but, but it's been primarily in the operations uh, side of businesses. Um, and I was the CFO of a of an oil small oil company in Houston, um, oh, 10 or 12 years ago. And as part of that process, um, I had recommended that we uh, expand and find other investment options because we were 100% in the oil business and identified this company at the time that was based out of California that helped people use their IRA and 401k, generally any type of retirement funds, to help start their new business and, and really found it fascinating. And the outside CPA for the oil company uh, and I went out to California, did some due diligence and came back and said, hey, we think this told the owner this was probably a good investment opportunity. 
the owner ultimately decided, no, I'm going to stay in the oil business. I don't want to do something outside. Well, the outside CPA liked the business well enough. He put together a little investment group, bought the business, and then came to me and says, you've done all this due diligence. You know the background. You know what this business is all about. Would you come run it for us? So that's that's how I got started and what I'm doing. Well, th- I, I love how the origin and backstory of so many businesses, because a lot of them have started accidentally. I'm in that group. I've had a few of those. And then sometimes you just get some people that see what you want to do and make it happen. Now, part of what I'm excited about when it comes to today, today's episode, and I, I want to preface something. I'm not a financial advisor and I'm not giving you financial advice in this episode. I, I'm just going to speak from my own experience because I've actually utilized a method that Excel that Excel Fund helps with, which is, and and here's the thing, folks, you might not know this, but you can actually use your own retirement savings. Now, look, this is risky, and that's why I gave a disclaimer. But and I've done this before. I did it when I started Gigabook. You can use your own retirement funds to invest in your own startup. And, Absolutely, yeah. and 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 back to your disclaimer is I, I'll have a number of people come to me and say, I can't believe you're recommending people use their retirement funds because it is risky. Uh, and my response is, I'm not recommending it. I'm just telling you the options available. And that's the real challenge is most people don't know they can do this. So right. um, that's that's what I work toward is just simply the educational part of it. Is it right for you? That's for that's for you know the participant to decide. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, you know, as an entrepreneur, I well when I first realized that that was possible, I was kind of like, wow, you know, like, how did I not know that? I'm sure you get that right. a lot. Absolutely. A lot. I, I can't go to a meeting, yeah. whether it be with, with, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, VC angel investors, yeah. bankers, uh, and they're like, I've not heard of this. And yeah. I, so it's, it's only been around three decades. Yeah. <laughs> well, the bottom line is, is, you know, the, the, uh, the retirement vessels, and there are several kinds, in my case, it was a 401k that I had earned at a company that I owned, you right. know, over an eight year period, it was the, the company I owned, I wrote about in my book, Million Dollar Bedroom. Um, and, you know, I, and here I am, I'm wanting to start something new, and I'm looking for funding. And I'm like, I don't know if I want investors. And then I, 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 it was kind of wild because it was actually me that thought about it first. And I was like, gosh, can I invest my own? Because I can buy stocks. Can I buy my own stock? And I wasn't sure. And I did a little Google searching and, and you know, kind of realized that that was a thing. And I thought about it for a while. And I don't know, for me, and once again, this isn't financial advice. I, I like investing in myself. I, I'm honestly not as entertained with the 401k retirement stuff. As, that, as some people are, but, and that's just me. I'm risk averse though. I, 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 I'm a little bit of a riverboat gambler on some days and I'm also okay with if the, the responsibility that comes with, if it turns into vapor. That's what I find in visiting with, with our clients is ultimately it comes down to, I believe I can do a better job with my own retirement funds than putting it in the stock market or, or some other investment vehicle. So, uh, and it gives them the freedom to go start their own business, run their own business, pay themselves a salary, get their, most of my clients have their family or or children involved. Um, So it's something that allows them to create a family business 
with funds that they didn't think they could use. Yeah. And I know this is a little bit of a counterpoint to what you guys do at Accelifund, but you can also borrow your own 401k. I think you can borrow half of what it's valued at and pay it back over like a five-year period. Sure. Certainly. That's an option. And there are some other things I think you can like with buying a home and some other things. So the 401k can, can be useful in that regards if you don't feel comfortable with it. I'm an all in kind of guy. I literally cashed my whole thing and, and, and my wife went in too. I mean, it was hundreds of thousands of dollars, but it funded a business that turned into other things for us. And I don't regret it. Um, well, that's not, I, I, yeah, I don't regret it. I was, I questioned it a little bit during the pandemic. I was right. like, cause you know, the pandemic tested a lot of our resolve for, I, I don't know. It made me realize um, wow, it's pretty easy to fly too close to the sun. Right, absolutely. Yeah. And and speaking of the loans, yes, that's an option. And it's generally an option for someone who has an existing 401k, mm-hmm. maybe uh, doesn't want to quit their job. Um, to do what we primarily do, uh, you generally have to leave your existing job and, and really be all in on your um uh, on the goal of, of starting and running your own business. Uh, but the 401k loan option is, is certainly out there. And yes, I think you're right. 50% of the balance up to $50,000, I think is available. If you have an, if, if, as long as the 401k plan that you have through that employer allows it. So when people come to Excel fund, like how, what does that look like? Like what is the, what's the problem that your business solves when it comes to this whole process, like, cause there's obviously some pitfalls and you trying to avoid paying huge penalties and stuff like that. Like what's the main value problem? Well, it's a, it's the ability to use some existing equity that you have. Everybody's coming to me saying, how can I get this business started? Uh, maybe they're buying an existing business. A number of clients are doing that. Uh, and they've got this nest egg sitting over here from the corporate world. Most of my clients are people that have been in the corporate world and they're ready to get out of that, that rat race and go do their, go do their own thing. So that's what, that's what we have a discussion with them about is the 401k option is available to them. IRA, um, 403b, 457, whatever that option may be. Um, and we talk to them about how they can do that and what the process is to be able to do that. Uh, and ultimately, they're going to use that 401k or that retirement money uh, to become a stockholder. Their retirement plan is going to become a stockholder in their corporation. And by doing that, the retirement plan is going to own some stock in exchange for the cash out of the retirement plan. So the cash goes into the company. And now they've got the money to go start the business. Now, they might use that to just start a business from scratch, or they might use that as a down payment to go buy an existing business. So, And that kind of answered the question that I had, but I want to bring it up anyway for those that might not have picked up on that. So if I wanted to buy a Subway franchise, right? that's, that, that, that's fair. If I Absolutely. wanted to buy your business, that would work. Absolutely. What can I not do? Uh, the biggest restriction is lending. You basically can't be a bank. Don't fund a business that's going to in turn lend money. Uh, okay. So you don't want to be a bank. You can't be a, a receivables factoring company, that type of thing. Okay. The, the other, I guess, 
I don't want to call them pitfalls, but things to be aware of whenever you're using a retirement plan. And at some point we probably need to go through the steps involved here so that people understand. Well, let's but, do that now. Okay. Yeah. What, what happens if somebody says, uh, we want to do this, I'm, I'm ready. This sounds like the best way for me to finance my business or to go buy this business. We will help them. The IRS says that you have to use a C corporation. So you cannot have an LLC. You cannot have an S corp. C corp is what's required. So we will actually help them form that C corp unless they have their own attorney or an ability to, to do that. That C corporation then adopts its own company sponsored retirement plan. So we now have really an unfunded company with an unfunded retirement plan. Now that participant, that, that potential entrepreneur is going to roll their money over out of their 401k, out of their IRA, 403b, uh, into the new retirement plan. When they roll it over into the new retirement plan, they're going to say, Mickey, I don't want to invest in mutual funds. I could have done that in my old plan. What I want to do is invest in the stock of this C-Corp that we just formed. So we, go, we have the documentation, the stock subscription agreements and the formal documents to show that they are, their retirement plan is investing in the corporation. So in, in exchange for the retirement plan sending cash to the corporation, the corporation is going to issue a stock certificate to the retirement plan. So ultimately, rather than owning stock in Microsoft, you're going to own stock in, in your, your own, yeah, in your own C corporation. Okay, so, and let's point out that that's, you made that sound a lot more straightforward. I mean, most people that start a business don't have a C-Corp. No, they don't. And that's yeah, one of Most that's people start the, a business is, well, first off, a lot of people have started a business and don't ever get around to farming an entity, which is, folks, if that's you, you're, you're okay, so anytime you do anything business any type of business or entrepreneurial thing, like you're, you're by default a sole proprietor, which is the worst format of business ownership possible. And the reason why is you have absolutely no separation between your, your quote, entrepreneurial or business thing and your personal life, which means if it implodes, you get sued, something happens. Well, all those creditors and people that want to collect have a direct line of sight at everything, including your retirement accounts, your house, stuff like that. Well, go back and listen to a Startup Hustle podcast from just a short time ago. You and Matt Watson discussed that exact yeah. very thing. Yeah. Is you, you need to have an entity. I think that was the small business checklist one. I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah and talking about that and, you know, setting up a business entity is not complex. Um, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of things online and I'm not going to plug any of them because honestly, they're all okay. Like, okay. They basically send you a bunch of boilerplate stuff and they register you and get you at, uh, at, what's an EIN, an employee identification number, which by the way, you can get on the phone call to the IRS in five minutes. Well, and that's yeah. the service. I mean, because quite yeah. honestly, because it's yeah. a fairly simple process. Well, that part we will simple, do that. But you also have to register with like the state you're in right. and like that's all different. And, and here's the thing. I, I just really think that's better done by people that know what they're doing. Right. And I don't like the online things because they, you, you know, they really what happens is, they send you a big packet of stuff and you're never going to fill it out. Well, sometimes what we do uh, in states where 
the process is pretty straightforward. And most states have the online process where you can just go onto the Secretary of State's website yeah. and 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 do the do the paperwork you need. But in other states, um, we'll we will actually hire one of those outside, not not uh, some of the ones I think you're talking about, but but ones who actually are professional in those types of services. You know, there's one here in the Kansas City area and specifically. And um, we, we may hire them to go say, hey, I've got a client that needs to be registered a new corporation in, in South Carolina. South Carolina has a little different requirements for getting your corp registered. So and they're all we'll different. Use, That's we'll the thing. Use every state, every state's different. The thing I don't like about the online stuff is they don't, they they really try to sell you a bunch of crap you don't need. You oh, know, they're always like, upselling. Like, well, it's like a registered agent and all these different things. And and you know, like you might need those, you might not. Right. But I don't. I feel that you kind of get signed up for a bunch of crap by default. Right. And I'll tell you what: if you want to make sure your data gets sold to ten thousand different kinds of companies that are all going to just completely destroy your phone lines. You, when you form a new business, Andy, you will never receive more phone calls in three days. Right. Because yeah. that is the hot, you are the hot lead for credit card processing is the first one. You'll get a hundred calls for that. Yeah. We got to understand it's all public information. hundred. It's, it's filed with the right. secretary of state. It's public information. And, and on top it. of that, they get it even faster from the online people that register that right. if they're not trying to sell it to you. So credit card processing and you name it, go down the line, you will get... 200 phone calls in that first week. Right. right. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's annoying. <laughs> yeah. And going back to the, to the C Corp, yeah. you know, that is a requirement of, of the IRS mm-hmm. to do this. And, and we call it, uh, I think as the IRS is actually the one that kind of named it, it's called a rollover for business startup. Yeah. R-O-B-S is the acronym. Which is kind uh, of funny because you're kind of robbing your 401k. Right. Maybe if you don't, you don't need to look at it like that. No. You're investing in yourself, but yeah. I think that might be I find why, the acronym to be kind of funny. I, th- I think the IRS did that intentionally. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm talking to people about Rob's plans. R-O-B-S, mm-hmm. rollover for business startup. And um uh, Again, it's it's an educational process. What what my goal is is to let them know the option is available. Does it work for them? You know, perhaps they have Roth funds. Roth funds cannot be rolled over into this. So if they're primarily invested in Roth, then this is not going to be a good option for them. If they're wanting to, uh, we we're talking earlier about some of the pitfalls, you know, or things you can't do. Um, there's the IRS has what's called prohibited transactions, and let's not get too deep into into this. But um, there's things you can't do within your retirement plan, and and the one of the primary ones that I talk to clients about is what's called self dealing. Don't do business with yourself. Uh, I, I had a potential client call and say, "I want to buy a, a fourplex. I want to buy an apartment building." That's fine. You're in the property management business, and you want to use this. To, to buy a fourplex. What you can't do and what was an issue, he says, I want to live in one of the apartments. Mm. That becomes a no-no. Yeah. You can you can lease it, rent it to uh, four unrelated parties. Don't buy it in a college town and, and put your kid in one of it. 
that's that's a prohibited transaction and we steer people away from those kinds of things. Well, this is why you want to hire experts. And speaking of experts, finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use Fullscale's platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. You know, Mickey, 15 years ago, I did so much of this stuff myself. And I learned pretty quickly the value of finding experts. And I've talked to so many people that have, they say, well, but that lawyer charges $400 an hour. Well, you're not paying for the, look, people, you're not paying for that hour. You're paying for all of the hours that ran up to that one and the experience that came into that because that the right people and probably not don't even need an hour in right. many cases to give you advice that is worth well more than that. So like the, the, the ability to reach out and find people that know what they're doing is, is really important because here's the thing. If you do this stuff wrong, there's some pretty, there, the, the penalties are stiff. Absolutely. And let's talk about that so we can make that aware. What happens if I do this incorrectly? Well, if you have a prohibited transaction, as an example, uh, first off, you have to undo it, which can sometimes be difficult. If you've already spent some money or you've already do, do if you rented the apartment, then you just get out of the apartment. But the, but the IRS has an excise tax. And I think that excise tax is 15% of whatever the value of the prohibited transaction was. Um, so yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to well, do Also that. possible penalties for early withdrawal. It, they, they if, could. If you don't do they, that correctly, they, but, they yeah. could potentially come yeah. in and say this was an incorrect rollover. Yeah. We're not going to give you the rollover benefit. Therefore, it's going to be a taxable event. So, so if you take your four hundred one k funds out before you're fifty nine and one half years old, then that just goes out, that gets reported back as regular income, and you pay a penalty on it, which depending on what your normal income looks like, could be anywhere from not much to a whole lot. Absolutely. And it's really the whole purpose of the 401k and like what you guys do at Excel fund is to maximize the, the pre-tax funds that you've been squirreling away for years. An, an example is um, I had a client come and say, I need, uh, I need $250,000. Uh, and if they go and just take a distribution uh, and they're under 59 and a half where they're subject to that 10% early withdrawal penalty. So in addition to perhaps a, a 20% state tax or a federal tax, another 5% state tax, and now you got a 10% early withdrawal penalty, you might be paying 40% or more of that distribution in taxes. So all of a sudden you're down to 150,000 and that's not what you need. Right. Using a, a ROPS plan, you roll the entire 250,000 over into this new retirement plan that's, that your C-Corp has, has formed. And now you have access to the entire 250,000. So you are using pre-tax funds in order to invest in your business. So you've now saved $100,000 come back to your idea of paying for it. Yes, we charge a fee for our service, but you're going to save, if you're going to save $100,000 in taxes, I think you'd be pretty happy to pay our small fee. So let's play a sunny, a sunny day game here. And so now I've, I've used, I've utilized, I went to Excel fund you guys helped me set up the Rob's plan and I pulled this money out of my 401k and I started this awesome startup. And then, and then in five years, 
I, I sell it for a whole bunch of money for a lot more than the 250 grand that I pulled out of it. What have, do I have to pay back the original money? Like what happens with like, how, what does that look like when things go really well? Think about it as an equity investment. So it's not a loan. So you're not going to necessarily pay anything back. The stock that's in your retirement plan, if you if you sell the business, chances are you're selling the assets of the business. You're right. not selling the stock. So now that stock has a significant value inside of your retirement plan. So um, you've you've just increased the value of your of your tax deferred uh, retirement plan by that significant amount. So, which means that the increase in value is not a capital gain at that point, right? You can roll those funds back into, you could put them back essentially back into a traditional marketplace kind of thing, or you have the funds available to, they need to be in the, they stay in the, whatever percentage of it. Now, in, in some of this case, we're talking about starting whole business, maybe a hundred percent of the shares. In my case, it was just a small portion. Right. And, and let me just, let me clarify because if you have a C-Corp and one of the kind of the downsides a little bit to the C-Corp and, and we address this is that if you go sell the assets that are in that C-Corp, there's a taxable event for the gain at the C-Corp level. So what happens in, in our case, I mean, I'm, I'm working right now with a couple of clients who have liquidated their business. They sold it. They now have uh, $2 million of cash, um, uh, uh, sitting in their corporate checking account. So what we do is essentially redeem that stock, the stock that's held by the retirement plan. Now we kind of do the opposite of what the initial transaction, the initial transaction was the retirement plan sending cash to the corp in exchange for a stock certificate. Now we're going to do the other thing. We're going to let the corp use its cash that it's built up from the sale of these assets to buy the stock back from the retirement plan in order to get the cash back into the retirement plan. In my particular scenario, and I put a five-year window on that on purpose, that actually, and where these kind of things work out, if you were selling the stock that you had acquired or stock in the company, like you're exiting the whole thing, that's actually what is referred to as a long-term capital gain, which is taxed at a significantly lower level. Like if this is a big transaction, we're talking millions here. Like the thing is, is if you had, so any asset you hold, that is less than two years owned is it's taxed at a regular wage and like dividends can often fall into that category and whatever. But in this particular case and that, in the sale of the stock, that long-term capital gain um, is going to be a much, 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 much lower. If, if you believe, and, and that's your goal is to, is to, is to grow a significant business what, what our recommendation is use that cash to start your business because you have to use the C-Corp, but at some point redeem that stock before your liquidation event Got it. so that you may then be an LLC or some other mm-hmm. entity when that, when that stock event occurs. Uh, and again, I've had clients, uh, I had a local client here in the Kansas city area just a couple of years ago, went out and bought a, a business, um, got, I guess not, not know if he's lucky, but, but maybe working hard. He got some great, great contacts uh, or contracts put in place. 
and he generated a significant amount of revenue. So what he did is come back and says, hey, I now want to redeem that stock and and put the money back in my retirement plan. And it required an appraisal of that business because, again, the IRS requirement is that the stock has to be sold out of the retirement plan at no less than fair market value. Well, the fair market value of a privately held company can only be determined through appraisals. Uh, there's no there's no public market for it. So uh, that's that's what he did, and then he ended up putting the cash back into his. So so now he's running his business through whatever entity he chooses to run it through, and has now put his money back, including some additional. Uh, back into his retirement. Plan. Once again, why we look for experts who know how to do stuff and they're out there. I mean, there's a ton of, of stuff out there. I, I love the creative nature of, of this approach. Um, have, so you've been doing this for a while. Um, you know, like what are, let's, you know, obviously we can't, we're not going to disclose too much information, but um, where have you seen it? Where have you seen it used the most? Like, what's the most, first off, the most common form? Like, I mean, I get it. You're trying to start a business, but like, what kinds of businesses do you see? You know, it's, it's all over the, it's all over the board, Matt. Um, from probably the smallest, I had a, a person just roll over like $35,000 and they were buying a hot dog stand on the beach in Florida. So, I mean, there's a, a pretty simple operation. I'm a uh, sucker for a hot dog, part, by the way. <laughs> like, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weakness. So, so, I mean, that's a very simple op- option for somebody. I had uh, three guys go together. They all worked at the same business. Um, they call me and says, hey, we want to go start our own business. Um, can we put all this stuff together? the corporation, the retirement plan, and then we're all three going to walk in and quit our jobs on the same day so that we can do our rollover. Uh, and they, between the three of them rolled a million and a half to go buy this business. So, um, and what's interesting about that case is they ended up selling that business a year or two later. Um, and they were smart enough when they sold it to put a a clause in the contract that if the company that bought it from them wanted to ever get rid of it, they would, they had the right of first refusal. So Mm. probably three years, four years later, they came back to me and says, Mickey, we have the opportunity to buy that business back from the company that we sold. Have they ruined it? The new people? Cause I see that happen a lot. I don't know that they ruined it. They just, my understanding is that they just didn't put the effort into growing it. Right. Well, that's kind of ruining it yeah. in some way. It's a, an interesting story that's back to the to million dollar book reference. So my uncle was one of the inventors of the model home concept in housing. So you mentioned being down in Houston and Texas, and this is in the early sixties and it's a company called general homes started at, um, and literally in a trailer five years later, it went public and he won't, he won't stake the claim to being the inventor of the model home, but it was either him or the other competitor. And, right. and with that, that was a new concept. But so that company went public and he sold it for a huge amount of money in the early eighties. The people that basically the acquiring party that got the majority of the controlling stock essentially did ruin it. And he bought it back for a fraction of what he paid 
build it up again, sold it. That happened one more time and did it again. So he's basically came back in and growing. I his mean, own look business at the yo-yo going up and down. Right. You, know, you sell it for 80 million. And by the way, it was a lot of money in 1980 something. Um, and you know that, but that, that's not uncommon. And, uh, it's the same thing, but you look at, um, you know, the, you talk about generational businesses, um, the, if you're, if you are taking over your parents' company, you actually have overwhelming odds of failure. Um, it's, and so some of that is the people, people that are buying a business or, or getting it handed down. And you say, why is that rate of, of failure so high? A lot of times is they just don't have the passion or the vision that the original founders or owners had. Well, they've been part of the business, but they've never led the business. Right. And, right. It, and it makes a yeah. huge difference. Yeah. And I, there's, and that's, you know, just kind of an interesting fact. That's why I asked that. Cause it's, it's, it had the kind of the, the trailing vapors of that. Um, but, but we go all over. I mean, I've had a, I had a fairly this past year, uh, a gentleman in Florida, uh, retired. He was a car dealer uh, or general manager at a car dealer for years. But at some point in the past, they had owned a retail aquarium store. So he used his 401k to now go follow his passion, he and his wife, uh, to open a, a retail aquarium store. So it's, it I really once, is I once had a saltwater aquarium, and I will say that is on my list of worst investments possible. Um, my God, it is expensive. And Man, of, of all of things that I've had a high failure rate out, that was it. Um, yeah, I uh, that was a struggle. Well, I, I'm I don't know anything about the aquarium business, so and, and most of the businesses. <laughs> Saltwater aquariums start. are a terrible investment. That's that is financial advice. That's what you get right there. <laughs> but but uh, again, I whether it's uh, somebody wanting to buy a piece of property uh, or uh, they start something from from scratch. Again, a local client who uh, went out and, and invested in a piece of equipment and he's doing his own thing sure. with that piece of equipment. Which means you can be a service provider. Now here's, and I, I don't know if you know the answer to this, so I'm going to put you on the spot, but I have a feeling like you can't use this to start a cannabis business because that's Ill federally illegal. Is that prohibited? That's a good question. I've, nobody's asked me that. So I don't, I don't know the answer I, to that. Well, that's the, been such, and I, yeah, I just, it kind of came up because I, I, to give you a little context. Um, and so I, I, yeah, I've been offered advisory roles in different things over the years. And a couple of them were cannabis businesses, which I turned down. Um, I wasn't opposed to the, to the concept of it. It is what it is, but I was opposed to, you know, there, at some point you, if your business, especially if you're in the, a business, a B2B model, you may put, find yourself in a situation where you have to attest to not being an ownership an owner or being involved in anything that is quote federally illegal. Right. And technically cannabis is, even though like here we're in the state of Kansas right now, but our neighboring state's about a month away from opening the doors on everyone on walking in right. and buying weed when they want, you That's know, right. and, and now with that, that is technically federally illegal. The federal government's just kind of, eh, we're going to look the other way right. now. Now with that, I know that there are a ton of restrictions around that. My guess is that that's probably the case because I, you're talking, you're, well, this is these funds are saved, managed, and reported on a federal level. So Absolutely, yes. I, I bet there's probably restrictions around gambling. 
as it's, well. You know, again, it all has to do is to what is allowed inside of a retirement plan. Cause yeah. we're, this, this is a retirement right. plan investment right. and, that's why public tra- publicly traded companies in the U.S. can't touch any of the cannabis stuff right now because the SEC won't allow it. Well, yeah. you, you talk about using experts. Yeah. You know, yeah, I would, I would oh, go, yeah. I would go to my ERISA attorney and and throw that idea sure. out. It do Back b- to before experts. I ever, oh, yeah. yeah, before yeah. I would ever talk to a yeah. potential client about being able to do that. Yeah, yeah. I would. Go well, to that's my what, that's why I mentioned like gambling would come to mind. You mentioned earlier like the lending business there are probably blending is probably extends to some elements of currency exchange because that comes up because as you're aware that you know we've got 300 employees in the philippines and so that it comes up for us a lot when it just when oh it comes up with banks and we have to do a lot of international wire transfers and stuff like that and i mean we have to attest to the fact that regularly Whenever we do anything new with financial services, everything from like the corporate Amex card to all of it, it always gets hung up on that international component because they want to make sure that you're not because there's I don't know there's I don't know what the risk element is with that. I think you can just get yourself upside down in a hurry. I think that's the same thing with the lending stuff. I, I think from a retirement plan standpoint, again, the IRS rule on Robs is you need to in in. Your, your company, your C-Corp needs to provide goods or services. So if all it's wanting to do is invest in crypto, that's probably not a, yeah. that's not going to fall under providing right. goods or services. Yep. You don't want to fund a C-Corp just to be an investor. Sure. And that's like, yeah. So the reason I brought that up is that if that's, if you're considering any of the things mentioned, I mean, we're sitting here as experienced, you're an expert on it. We don't know the answer to it. That means you don't know the answer to it. Not you, Mickey, meaning right. the listener. So you got to find someone that understands it. Because once again, making the wrong moves with this kind of stuff, really, it, it's, you know, I don't know what's worse, the financial penalty or the pain in the ass. Because for me at this point, I've had to, there's <laughs> unwinding a ball of rubber bands is never fun at a business. And invariably, when you'll have to do that as you know, Murphy's law will dictate that it will occur at the time you want to do it the least or that's the least convenient. And I literally had to stop progress at one of my businesses for a couple of weeks once. And I've referenced million dollar bedroom in this episode three times. It's my book. You can go get it. It's on Amazon. It's super cheap on Kindle too, because I want you to read it. I'm not trying to make your royalty fee on that, but um, you know, with that, I, I had just the bit, you know, a, a lot of people start a business. It goes really quickly and the things you don't know, you don't know. And then you find out, you know, it later and you're like, shit, I got a lot of stuff to, right. so with, in that particular case, it was like commingled personal funds had gone in there and, and kind of lack of, 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 uh, reconciling credit cards and stuff like that. And we well, had to literally just stop buying stuff. Cause that was a very purchase intensive business. We we're making hundreds of purchases. We bought and sold event tickets. So, you know, in some days we'd have a couple hundred purchase orders and we were just putting more ball, more rubber bands on the ball. So the accountant was literally like, Matt, I'm going to tell you something that you're going to be upset about and you don't want to hear, but you're going to have to stop buying stuff. And that's kind of a key component of a business that buys and sells stuff highly transactionally. But it's like, because if you keep doing it, we're never going to catch up and we need to stop and figure this out. And then you can go full speed ahead. But that was a painful moment because we were just really kind of figuring a lot of stuff out. 
And, and, and by the way, I didn't fully stop buying. So I just limited <laughs> it a little bit. I, I, I kind of find that with accountants, lawyers, and other finance, uh, other service providers that like, I usually do most of what they say. And then in some cases, I don't know, it's better, sometimes easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. Well, you got to keep running your business too. But um, we, we, one of the things that we also talk to clients about is kind of this separation between retirement plan and the operation of the C-Corp. You know, we're not in we're not in the business of helping you manage your business. That's what you're doing. Our side is to help you manage and and perhaps mitigate any issues with using retirement plan funds to help fund that business. Right. Now, I'll have a few clients, maybe they'll contact me and say, "What do you think of this?" Or uh, even better, if somebody says, "Hey, we want to do this with the funds. Do you see this being a potential issue?" Again, we don't provide legal advice, but I'll certainly share my thoughts with them and say, "You know, if you think this is a real issue, you might want to hire your own legal advice." But my thoughts are 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 this. Um, but that's separate from the operation of of your actual C corp. Now, one thing I know you can do after you deposit those funds give a sell a fund a shot at helping you with that. You can use those to hire software engineers, testers, and leaders at fullscale.io. We're here to help, you know, much like the people that are on this show, um, we want to offer expertise. We want to give you advice and guidance. Um, I'll be the first person to tell you that I don't think we're a good fit for what you do or that, um, I don't know, we just, we're really in the, in the transparent, uh, uh, business of, of providing reasonable solutions and advice. And anytime you have a call with anyone at full scale, you're going to come out of it with good advice and in a non-self-serving way. Cause I I've learned that it's, I, I don't know. I, I definitely, uh, uh, you got to provide a solution. You got to provide value. And if we don't think we can win and we're going to with you, and well, we'll tell you that I'm not even want to get the project started because, and that's what you want to look for with good service providers. You want to look for people that uh, similar to have an attitude similar to Mickey that are going to look out for your best interest and aren't just concerned about fees or getting shoving you down an assembly line of of billing um, or added products that you don't need and stuff like that. So, you know, as we kind of wrap up the show here, Mickey, I mean, what's the uh, uh, here we are. 40 minutes later, I mean, what are some of the key points that we went over or anything we missed on the way out? Well, I think the big thing is, number one, making sure that your listeners understand this process is available to them. Make sure that if you've got a retirement plan account, if you're thinking of leaving your job and starting your own business, at least take a look at this option. Uh, It might not be the right thing. And, and as you talked about, we may feel that it's not a, because we're long-term, we stay with you. We help administer that retirement plan long-term. So this isn't a one-time transaction for us. I've got clients that did this uh, 20 years ago, and they're still clients of ours today. So uh, we're going we're gonna to be there. So we want to make sure it's a good fit both directions as well. But uh, Take a look at it. Just just inquire. If it's a right fit, great. If it's not, then you go look for, for other options or or decide to take the, the taxable distribution and just take the hit on it if you want to do that. Um, maybe if you're going to continue your employment, uh, 
uh, the 401k, if, if all you need is, is the loan, uh, if all you need is 50,000 or 50% of your uh, balance, that may be a good option. I think on the way out, the best advice I can give is just look at the options. You know, like I think that your the most informed decisions occur after examining the choices that you have. And, and, you know, you don't have to make these decisions instantly. Um, you know, sit back, think about it, make the move that's the best for you. Um, don't sacrifice the long term on the altar of the immediate if you can avoid it. Um, and, you know, just kind of know what you're getting into I mean, starting a business or buying a business or investing in a business is a risky proposition. And it's uh, especially when it comes to startups. And, you know, that's the thing is, is realistically, the odds are not in your favor. It's kind of like the Hunger Games when you get in there and, you know, everyone's running around and trying to stay alive and advance to the next phase and kill each other on some days and team up and form squads that you know, maybe kill the other competitors. This is a realistic like feeling in business that, that, you know, and it's, it's a, it's a, it's a volatile world, but at the flip side, if you do it right, in my opinion, it's one of the most rewarding experiences and feelings that you can get is this, there's a, you know, the uh, Abraham Maslow once created the hierarchy of needs and the very fifth step and the highest, the pinnacle of that is self-actualization, which is defined as doing the things you always knew you could do or you're capable of doing. And, that, and I think for entrepreneurs, that's when you have that moment at the business and you're like, wow, I finally built something that's bigger than me. And you start looking at like all of the good and amazing stuff and opportunities. And like, I look at how impactful what we do is in the Philippines and the charitable right. efforts that we do. And then like here on startup hustle, I've had people reach out from all over the world. Like this is, this show's free. Like, and we have a money back guarantee on it. So if you don't <laughs> like it, you can have a refund. Like, and, and that's the thing It's just, you know, provide value and, and do a lot of that. And, you know, you'll, I think you'll find that you'll, you'll end up getting what you want, but it really does start with providing value in, in so many ways. Well, and I, I think you, you mentioned, you know, certainly there's a risk involved. And I think that's why a lot of, uh, a lot of clients are looking to buy existing businesses. Mm -hmm. I think the, I think the, Statistics, to be said for that. Yeah. statistics say that you're more likely to succeed by buying an existing business. Uh, and one thing we didn't mention is people have used their 401k as the equity investment for a, for a bank loan. I mean, the SBA recognizes Rob's plans uh, as a source of an equity investment. So I, I have clients who will say, Hey, I've got, I, I'm, I'm going to go buy this business. I need a, a, um, an SBA loan, but the, the, the loan, the bank is going to require, you know, X percent, 10, 15, 20%. Uh, and they use their Rob's plan, their 401k to provide that equity injection. So that's also an option as well. Click that link in the show notes, people. I'll see you down the road, Mickey. All right. Thanks, Matt. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.